To do the work properly and to make the connection, you really have to listen and understand the audience, which is very diverse within the population. So that's what I've learned is listen and understand who it is you're talking to so you can make an authentic connection. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You're joined once again with your two favorite hosts. I'm Adam Moore and joined once again with Chloe Goodry-Reed. And today we are welcoming Zuzi Martin-Ali, producer and host of the Girls in Tech podcast. Zuzi is an award-winning filmmaker who has marketing and creative strategy experience in a wide variety of industries such as tech, entertainment, health, wellness, advocacy, food, and social impact. Welcome to the show, Zuzi. It is so great to have you here with us today. Adam and Chloe, thank you for having me. This is so fun. I love it already. Yes, 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 yes. So Zuzi and I had the pleasure of meeting a few months ago. Okay. Um, just connected. We're connected by actually Zuzi has her own podcast as well. And ah, okay. Their podcast production team said, she's amazing. You guys are amazing. Okay. You should talk. And we got on the phone and just realized we had so many synergies. And that's awesome. I was like, you have to come on the podcast. You're doing such Mm -hmm. amazing things. So, so tell us so cool. Tell us all about what you're doing. Yeah. We want to hear first. I have to take a second to say that it's hard to connect with someone right away when you're meeting on zoom and I felt that with you. I felt a connection like right away, just what you're saying. So excited to talk, but like in a, oh my God, I want to be your girlfriend kind of way. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's yes. create something together. Let's exactly. do something. So we both asked each other to be on each other's podcast. And that's why nice. we're here. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So tell us all about Girls in Tech and what it's about and just your your overall mission. So Girls in Tech is an incredible international organization in over 60 countries Mm. with over 60,000 members whose mission is solely to get women into tech and help them be successful within tech and tech being in every industry. So tech is every industry. Mm -hmm. It used to be Mm -hmm. thought of just the big four or so. And now we know tech is everywhere. So Girls Mm -hmm. in Tech supports women of all ages to get in and stay in technology. Wonderful, wonderful. And the podcast, you want me to tell you about the podcast? Please. Okay, so last year, Adriana Gascoigne, the founder of Girls in Tech, she asked me to try out to see if I wanted to be ah. host of the podcast. So it was actually a fun little challenge, um, which is kind of neat because of course I was like, yes, I'm in. Uh, so I sent her a sound bite within 24 hours and um, I got the gig. And there were like 20 other people trying out. So it was very exciting for me. And I think, do you want to hear something weird? I haven't told anybody this, not even Amber, my my old producer. So oh good. Exclusivity I, right here. Exclusive, I love exclusive. it. So I, love I think it. I think this is what got me the gig. So I had just finished binge watching um series on Netflix, Dear White People. Mm. And okay. it was so fascinating to me. I loved it so much. And the main girl was a podcaster. Okay. Mm. And 
it also had this vibe to it that I felt was so deep and personal and cool at the same time. So when I did my audio clip, I found music that kind of reminded me of the show. Mm -hmm. And then I just put it slightly in the background and I recorded it from a hotel room in Miami and I sent it through. Little did I know, I, I think I was like totally thrown in at the last minute because they made the decision the next day and I oh, got wow. it. But I think it was because of that. So I always tell people like you get inspiration, like be ready to be inspired by anything you're mm -hmm. doing at any point in time, because it just happened to be that that inspired me to add the music and kind of get into a certain mood to submit my, my audio clip. And I got it. I love it. Nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Being open. So now with Girls in Tech, you know, there are several different agencies out there and, and, and support groups for women in technology. Uh, WIT is women in technology. We have Girls in, in Tech, which which you are. So how does how do all these groups kind of coexist in that space, right? So women in technology, STEM, STEAM, however we want to carve it up for the day, kind of seems to be... I don't know what the the thing du jour for us to be doing in the inclusivity space. So talk to us a little bit how girls in tech kind of stand out even a little bit more. So the broad answer is everyone is working towards the same amazing goal. Correct. To get more women in tech. Right. Now, what I talk about all the time on the podcast is mm -hmm. whether this is all like media or press, like everyone wants more women in tech, wants more girls in tech. Mm -hmm. um, the numbers are still very low. Oh, so yes. Very much what, so. What is happening? Is this really happening or are we just talking about it? So I had a great interview with Jonathan Abrams, who um, was the only guy on the podcast so far. <laughs> I was like, there's a lot of pressure, Jonathan. He's an investor <laughs> in a VC. And I asked him point blank. I was so glad I was able to just be like, is this is this just PR? Like, what is this? And he said, it's a little of both, you mm -hmm. know? So mm -hmm. people who get it are absolutely making efforts and strides to get more women into the pipeline and support more women that are already there to get higher up within tech. And then there are other people that, you know, talk a talk, but aren't really doing anything. So you have to focus mm -hmm. on investors, on companies that are actually doing it because you right. see women in these positions. Right. And I think that was a totally honest answer from Jonathan yeah. for having sat on this side of the aisle. Also, I think that was 100 uh, percent a good view behind the behind the curtain. So in your estimation, then what are some of the barriers that are keeping that number low? Yeah, it's unconscious bias. 100 percent. OK, it's a funnel, a pipeline problem. So mm -hmm. not having enough women going through the system, but then having old unconscious bias where People are hiring people they know or people that were recommended from, from contacts that all look the same and aren't necessarily women mm -hmm. or divorced because originally mm -hmm. tech looked very- Like me. <laughs> like you, Adam. Exactly. <laughs> no it offense did. whatsoever. It's just factual. Yeah. It is. It's totally factual. It was factual. a boys club that yep. mostly came from Ivy League. So yep. now the good news is, and I, I had the most incredible interview today about mm -hmm. blockchain technology, which just got, had my brain on fire and it was so exciting with Dr. Rabin, um, this woman who basically was like, we need more diversity. And I said mm -hmm. to her, yes, this is not, you know, a kumbaya moment. Diversity right. is proven to develop and more creative solutions to the problems we have. So mm -hmm. 
If you want to come up with a more competitive product, with a product that's going to actually serve the population, which is diverse, you need diverse teams to help you not only come up with more creative solutions, but to advance them more quickly because diversity challenges all of us to contemplate and to work with a different mindset. And then your brain kind of is like flex to be like, oh, okay, this is, I wouldn't normally look at it this way, but we should. And how would we come up with, with this solution with this set of points of views? So diversity is so important. And I'm tired of hearing people complain that it's just, you know, a box people want to check. No, this is going to make your business and your teams more competitive. Yeah. And, you know, Chloe and I talk about that in the intentionality in this space, right? You have to have intentionality in this space. Otherwise, it's going to be sniffed out as not being genuine and authentic. And then that's you might as well not have done anything because you have a worse reputation. That's right for doing something that's inauthentic than just not doing anything at all. So I know that sounds a little counterintuitive, but it's very true. Yeah. Yes. And the good news is that, I mean, we see every day their chief inclusion officers being hired left and right mm-hmm. in every major company. So that's good. And there isn't an intentionality. Yes. And CEOs and C-suite understand that. I hope, I know the good ones understand change has to come mm-hmm. from within, right. you know, it has to be part of the culture And it has to be also explained in a way that, you know, is real. Like, this is why we're doing this, right? you know, Mm -hmm. this is why we're doing it. And it's not just to check a box. It's to make all of us better. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I get fired up about that. Yeah, no, (laughs) no, it sounds like. We fed right into it. Yeah, yeah, which is good. I mean, that's why we have this show. We want to to speak with people who are passionate about diversity and supplier diversity and bringing multicultural perspectives to the table and to the forefront. And, you know, I uh, neurodiversity is also very important, you know, so people have to understand what diversity is, gender, it's sex, it's, it's religion, it's, it's culture, it's, it's the way people think, you know, so it's not all type A, it's, Mm, you know, hey, working with someone that has, let's say, the gift of ADHD, perhaps, right? Right. Versus <laughs> it being a challenge. So, yeah. right. you know, I think we all have to challenge other. And I, I'm speaking for myself. You know, I've I've been challenged in a good way to to work with people that are different than me. And I take it as a really great puzzle that's going to get us to an adventure solution, you know, like something I would have never thought of by myself, right. by myself thinking of it. So, you know, people could think, oh my God, you have great ideas, but I know my ideas get better when I'm bouncing them off other people and then they grow in ways yeah. that I could have never done by mm-hmm. myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when we think about just like growing and sharing things, how has all your different experiences sort of played a role in how mm-hmm. you approach the different sort of multicultural markets that you guys engage? I mean, you have a, a huge following and a huge network of, of women now. H- how, do you, yeah. how do you manage that? I love how this happened really organically and it happened a long time ago. I was just super lucky, I think, to understand the space um, from a very young age, like not knowing it was a space, right? Because right. Mm-hmm. I grew mm-hmm. up in New Jersey in Elizabeth and my my family was from Cuba. 
Mm. And it wasn't like Miami where everyone else's family was from Cuba too. It was right. my friends were Greek, Italian, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Colombian, Filipino, Haitian, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. For mm-hmm. all over, there were only two of us in the class that were Cuban. Everyone was, was every other background. So everyone's mm. parent was from somewhere else. And then okay. we all had this commonality of being American. But mm-hmm. when, when you went to visit them at home, there was all this different kind of food and language and, and, and stuff mm. kind of happening. Mm-hmm. So I was always fascinated by other cultures, totally fascinated. Then my one of my first jobs out of college, I had the complete privilege to work with UNICEF. I was a youth liaison advocate. Mm. So there were youth, young people that were just a little bit younger than me coming from all over the world to speak at the UN. The first time it actually convened on the health issue, if you can believe it, which mm. was HIV. Mm. Mm. And so these were um, HIV advocates, AIDS orphans, um, people that were fighting for their rights in their countries and wanted Mm -hmm. to speak to the United Nations on this issue. So that little bit of of experience, which I I did like on a contract basis, like three years Mm -hmm. in a row, it was like such an Mm -hmm. honor to be walking within the UN, right? So exciting Mm -hmm. for me. That little bit of, of experience got me my first job out in San Francisco, working for an advocacy firm, uh, an agency that worked within HIV and sort of bridged the gap between corporate and community. And Mm. they worked specifically and mostly in the Latino. And because back then they didn't call it Latinx, they called it Latino, Black and Latino populations, which were the highest infected Mm -hmm. um, populations in the US. So that was my first bit of experience. And I really learned how to listen, right? Mm -hmm. So we did, all our work was unbranded. And thankfully we had funding that would create ways to communicate really difficult things and to create safe spaces for people that were Mm. in this space. So we used art a lot. We used playwriting. Mm. Uh, So we would have story circles and we would listen and we'd bring a playwright in and write stories Mm -hmm. that then could could be shared in communities that, that were terrified to talk or listen about anything with the word HIV in it. Mm. Lots oh. of stigma, lots mm. of fear. Yet, after seeing it in the in an art form and having a dialogue, the the armors were were disengaged, right? Mm. And they were able to listen. Um, so that's the beauty about, about art. So that was my first bit of experience working in in omnicultural markets. And then um, one of my greatest mentors, Kat Gordon. Um, you know, had an agency called Maternal Instincts. So she really taught me how to, you know, work and 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 uh, understand mothers, mm. just as I had become a mother. And mm. we're talking about understanding and in, in marketing, right? So just because mm. I might be Latinx, I might be a woman, I might be from New York, doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I just automatically can understand this market in my age right. group, for exactly, mm-hmm. because you have to realize we all have unconscious bias and we all have stereotypes and marketers right. typically just slice out a little piece of, a, of an audience and say, you know, give us millennial Latinxers, a millennial black urban youth, and let's do a campaign for them. And to do the work properly and to make the connection, you really have to listen and understand the audience which is very diverse within the population. So that's what I've learned is listen and understand who it is you're talking to so you can make an authentic connection. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's excellent. And how do you feel like, you know, when you're, you're making that authentic connection just with you and the guests, how mm-hmm. do you then sort of make sure that the audience, whether they be listeners or viewers from your films are connecting with the story and with, you know, the people as well. My favorite thing as a documentary filmmaker and my, my other life, my, my, I have a Latinx platform um, where we create content. We, we write, work with writers and and I write as well. And we tell stories of us based Latinx population, right? Mm -hmm. So all sorts of subjects Um, that came, it's the same thread of being a documentarian, right? And you have to understand what an honor it is to be able to interview someone. If you can humble yourself to a point where you are first genuinely asking questions that are important, you know, Mm -hmm. you think about what kind of questions this person normally asked, you know, can I, is it okay to ask these same questions or how can I go a little bit deeper? How mm. can I really understand why does it do what they do and why it's important mm. to me and to other people? That is my favorite thing in the whole world. And, and I, I discovered that by accident um, a long time ago mm. when um, one of my girlfriends studied broadcast journalism at, at college, which I didn't, I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. I, I was my, I went to what my, by what my family wanted. If you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a yeah. lawyer. Okay. You're going to be, so at the end of the day, I chose like economics because it sounded good on my resume. Okay. My girlfriend invited me. She said, Zeus, I'm interviewing. Uh, I won't give the star's name. It was a big star. When I'm interviewing mm-hmm. so-and-so at the four seasons for a press junket, come, I'm going to tell him you're my, pre- you're my field producer. So I went, I dressed nice and I had my little notepad and I was just supposed to be there for the ride to like get a little celebrity, you know, yeah. you know, for the yeah. passing, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. But I was like writing down questions and I could tell the celebrity was annoyed because the other people weren't asking. They didn't even watch the clip, weren't even, didn't even know what the, the movie was about. Oh. And, and I could sense that they were so annoyed. And I was like scribbling questions down and handing them to my friend. I knew right there. And then I would just, I would go to film festivals and, and be the first one to raise my hand, ask a question to the director. I just was always like fascinated by going deeper with, the creators. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's, you asked me, you know, how do I make that connection? And when, when I'm interviewing people, it's just me just being myself. If people don't like me, then I can't do anything about that. You know, but if I consider myself Mm -hmm. the average girl, like I've always, no matter what I can accomplish, I can consider myself very average. Like I, I feel the same things that everybody else feels. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if, if I'm feeling this, or if I'm thinking about this question, somebody else is too. So let me just ask it and be myself. So that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. How do you feel like just your filmmaking experience has, has influenced how you run the podcast now? I think learning again, the, the art of interviewing Mm -hmm. and really to be frank, it's not that hard it's not that hard. And I'm going to explain that. Okay. You have to do your research. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't have to take 10 hours, but you have to give, um, you have to honor what, whoever it is you're interviewing by like taking a look, it could be a few minutes. It could be an hour, depending on the subject, but taking a moment to really concentrate on what you're going to talk about, who this person is, 
and what they could offer you and your guests. So right. prepare and then be in a space where you're turning everything else off and you're really concentrating on what they're saying. And you're able to forget that anybody's in front of you and anybody else is in the room or listening. And you're able to just talk to them as if you were by yourself in a coffee mm-hmm. shop, having yeah. the most fascinating conversation. If you put in a little bit of effort, it could be very fruitful. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, do you agree? You're, 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 you're a pro at this. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you were to, if you took a look at our script, if you scroll all the way down, you can see our script writer did a whole like bio docket, right? So we can yeah. have that 10 minutes of research yeah. on you or any of our guests really before they come on. And yeah. I, that's kind of Glo- Chloe and I's mindset too. It's just, let's just have a conversation and the interview will kind of take care of itself. Yeah. Yes. I love that about podcasts. I love it because it's not so much the sound bites, you know, you can really talk and right. there's a lot to read into between the pauses. You know, I, I, when I mm-hmm. talk to people, the pauses, you know, tell you a lot. Right. Especially in film, I think, too, when you're able to visually see people, I think, you know, those pauses, so powerful, so powerful. The last thing I want to just ask you is, you know, when you think of just spoken word Mm -hmm. and just the, you know, creating change, you know, what are some areas that that companies can potentially like partner with filmmakers Mm to to capture the voice of their customers, capture the voice of their brands in an effective way and really kind of, you know, utilizing some mm-hmm. of the things you just said, like, how do we make these real connections, you know, connecting our brand with our customers? We have a lot of layers, right? We have a lot of protections on, on ourselves and, and in the mm-hmm. workplace, especially even if we're friends with everyone, we still have a certain a certain amount of layers of protection that that we that we wear every single day and we we speak more professionally <clears throat> we act and dress a certain way and we try and be the best that we can be right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. film can be disarming it disarms and it shows the humanity behind whatever it is you're trying to convey because mm-hmm. The reason film, independent film and good film connects with people is because they see their own humanity in the characters or they see things that they're afraid to show. Yeah. And it's really important. So film, whether it's a 15 second clip or or a short or a feature can be a very powerful tool, uh, not only to connect internally at corporations, but to connect and build community. I mean, yeah. you can do so much with the piece of film, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour, right? Yeah. You can do so much. You can dialogue, you can, you know, have screenings, you can right. have contests, you can engage with your customer to make sure that, you know, you're telling a story that resonates with them. Right. You can tell mm-hmm. a piece of a, a story about them that has nothing to do with your product, right. but they are your customer, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They're who you obsess over, right? Mm -hmm. So why not tell a piece of a story that's different, right? Mm. It's super powerful and it's a gift. I mean, art has always been a gift. Spoken word and the written word and the visual aspect of this Mm. um, is really a gift. And I think that's why humans were were fascinated. We've always been fascinated by the arts because Mm. it, it brings us out of our protective layer and it allows us to go deeper 
into feeling, right? Into feeling yeah. more human and into connecting yeah. more with one yeah. another. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Susie. Yes, this was amazing. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. You can keep up with Susie and her work at www.girlsintech.org and www.startupcuba.tv. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Reed and Adam Moore and Susie Martin Ali. If you've enjoyed this episode, please check out our previous shows and stay tuned for the next one. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.